Let's just go ahead and do an opening prayer, and then we'll get into a song of praise. His name is wonderful, majesty, and worship his majesty. So, Father, we love you and just thank you for this uh, wonderful opportunity to be in your house of worship today. And, Lord, as uh, you tell us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some are in this world. So we need each other, Lord. We need each other in the fellowship time. We need each other as we uh, greet one another in the service today. We just need to hear corporately what your word says to us. And, Father, I pray that you would bless even in the Sunday school hour, this service and the second service. Give us something today. Give me something today that will help to make me more conformed to the image of Christ and more able to be an emissary of uh, your grace in the week to come. We ask these things in the holy name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. Thank you so much, Danny, for reading that beautiful passage of Scripture. Um, We're looking at a series through January and through the end of February. I guess next week will be the last week in it, uh, called Choices. And we've looked at a lot of different choices that people have made, uh, principally in the Old Testament. The pastor was telling me that I could uh, preach from the um, selection that he had chosen today, which was on the life of Zacchaeus, or I could choose my own. So I chose something a little bit different. And uh, I chose a beautiful painting. This actually shows up much better on the uh, screen than it does uh, on the front of your bulletin. It's a painting by Delacroix. And um, it's a picture of Jesus on the cross. And you'll notice that people on the left, especially the one in the center right at his feet, are actually kissing his feet, the nails uh, in the feet. And then there's a group on the right that are looking with dismay. They're principally the soldiers. And some of them are looking in disbelief and saying, who was this guy? What's he really doing here? 
And then, of course, there was the one soldier that said, truly, this is the Son of God. But I wanted to pass, uh, thank uh, all of those of you who have been praying for me throughout the week. I know a lot in my Sunday school class have been praying. I got a text from a choir member that said they were praying for me. I've gotten cards. And I'll tell you what uh, I always tell the Sunday school class whenever I speak and teach there. I say, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's Chad. So that's the bottom line here. So if you get something good out of it, it'll be the Lord's doing. I chose the passage out of Philippians 2, 6 through 8. I love that passage, and I wanted to just kind of go back and read through it again. I'm not sure that the, I think they put these things on the website, but um, this is uh, 2, 6 through 8. And when it says the who here, it's talking about Jesus Christ. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It says, everything was made by him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Jesus Christ is the creator and sustainer of this world. And so uh, as it goes on down through here, it says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men, we talked about that as we studied the Advent back around Christmas time. Jesus coming into the world, born in a manger. Um, no room in the end for him. He lived the sinless life that we could not live. And ultimately, it says, in being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which is what that picture up there by Delacroix is showing. And many other famous painters throughout history have painted this. It says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other's, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. There will come a time in this world, whether people have accepted Jesus Christ or not, they will bow at the feet of Jesus Christ. So I think that it's uh, interesting to see what he did. I want to just take you back. There's a little bulletin insert in there if you want to just kind of follow along and make some notes. It helps me to keep track of where I'm going, and it may help you too. So the Philippians uh, 2 passage talks about the humility of God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to death. I think that's an amazing thing. If we think about uh, the need, it started in the Garden of Eden. God put uh, Adam and Eve in a beautiful setting. Uh, it was perfect. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. I can't imagine anything have been be having been better than to be in the Garden of Eden. And uh, it's interesting to me that there was only one rule. I think about Scripture, and I, I've just, uh, I'm reading through chronologically this year through the Bible. It's the first time I've ever done that. I'm going to a Bible study over at Paneras on Monday night, but uh, I've just finished uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. And when you get into uh, the book of Leviticus, which is the law, and Exodus, it's just so bogged down with a lot of details. But in the middle, there's a little nugget in there in uh, Exodus 20. It's the Ten Commandments where God calls Moses up on the mountain and gives him Ten Commandments. And he says, here's the big ten. Some of them apply to me. Some of them apply to your fellow man. And then, of course, in the Garden of Eden, there was only one rule. It says, don't eat of that tree over there because in the day you do, you're going to die. And it's interesting to me uh, how I see Satan always punching the same buttons, whether it's Jesus in his wilderness experience 
or Eve in the garden. He comes to her and he says, uh, did God really say that? And she said, yeah. And he says, you won't die. You're going to be more like God. Now, doesn't that sound like a good deal? Wouldn't you like to be more like God? I certainly would. And so she looked at it, and there were three things. It was good to look at, it looked good to eat, and it was going to make her wise like God. So she bit the bullet and ate, and as a result of that, they were expelled from the garden. And God knew that, I believe, before the foundation of the world. I used to think, now how hard would it have been to keep one rule? And then I shave my face in the mirror every morning, and I'm thinking as I'm looking in there, you wouldn't have kept it any longer than them, Chad, because you're just like them. God gave free will, and of course he wants us to love him and keep his commandments and obey him, but sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we do it by choice. Sometimes we do it because the devil trips us up and we don't even see it coming. But I can guarantee you, if your life is like mine, he knows the buttons to push in your life to trip you up. So that was basically the need. And then we move into John um, this is a beautiful passage of scripture. I love it as well, where we talk about uh, Jesus in John three fourteen through 17. And it says, as Moses was lifted up on the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the cross. He must be lifted up on the cross. And I believe that if we're going to draw people to Jesus Christ in our personal lives and within our sphere of influence, we have to lift up Jesus Christ as well and just to show them what he has done for us. And then it says, uh, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's a lot of philosophies in the world today. There's a lot of religions in the world today that say there are many ways to God. Well, it's interesting because I'm going to share some scriptures with you here in just a minute that says, he is the way, the truth, the life. No man, woman, boy, girl comes to the Father unless it's through Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. And then it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son on that cross, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes, again it's the believing in Jesus Christ, in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And we're going to talk about light here in just a second. And men love darkness rather than the light. It is very, it's a sad commentary. I remember when I uh, became a Christian, I was 28 years old. I was at Grissom Air Force Base in Indiana. And I had been raised in a church, um, raised in the Presbyterian Church. I was from a godly family. But I had not made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. And um, I remember the pastor saying that day in church, he said, the longest distance in history over a journey is the 18 inches from the head to the heart. And I had made a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, I considered it to be, you know, he died for the sin of the world. Okay, I believe that. It's my sin. I didn't equate that to something personally that was really for me. And that's what we have to do. We have to realize that he died for us. Those nails in his hands and feet, the piercing of the side, the crown of thorns, it was all for us. Every one of us in this room, it was all for us. So I hope you've made that choice today. And uh, or sometime over your lifetime, it's the most important thing that I ever did in my life. And I was telling somebody just this past week, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes after my time of coming to faith in Christ, but I have never doubted for a moment that I was his child. And when I would come back to him, I felt like he opened his uh, arms wide wide for me. I was thinking about the uh, hymn that we sang today, um, 
there's another one that goes along with that. Come home, come home. And then uh, I play at Baldwin Park. A lot of times I'll do the fifth Sunday hymn sing. And there's another one called Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. And I'm thinking, you know what? He's always calling us home. He's calling us into a fuller and deeper relationship with him. It's an amazing thing to walk through this world with Jesus Christ. So once the choice is made, what what's next? I wanted to go back to the passage that Danny read earlier on and pick up a verse that's before that. So when we think about Philippians 2, uh, he picked up with, it says, who, talking about Jesus Christ being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery, uh, it robbery to be equal with God. He was God. He was the second person of the Godhead, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearances of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. So the humbled himself, and I thought about Philippians uh, 2, verse 5, where it says, it's the prequel to this verse that we just read. It said, let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus Christ. And I think it centers around the humility thing and being able and willing to lay down our life for the world around us. I'm thinking of a verse uh, that I remember from years ago. It was uh, by a guy named Jack McGuckin. He was a little short uh, lieutenant colonel retired from the Marine Corps. He was a pilot. And uh, he had come to a church that I was at in Indiana, and he was a missionary. And he told this story uh, about a verse out of Galatians 2.20, and I'll give that to you in just a second. But he said that he was going to the mission field, and he got into This was in a, a pretty remote area. It was somewhere in a hot tropical area. And he said uh, he had worked hard all day, and he went out to take a shower, and they had these kind of booths that were cordoned off, and then they had a big bucket of water that was filled by rainwater. And in order to take your shower, you'd get in there and you'd pull this cord, and the bucket would turn over, dump some water on your hair, and then you'd lather all up, and you'd pull the cord again, and the bucket would dump down more water and rinse you off. And he said he was just thrilled to be there, but he was extremely tired this day. He had had a long flight. He'd gotten in. He'd worked for a day. And he said he pulled the cord on the bucket, and it was filled with stagnant water and tadpoles. And this stuff just went over him, and he says, I wondered why I was there. And he said, a verse that I had learned years before popped into my mind, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the faith that I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. Okay, I was thinking about um, the issue of uh, light and so forth that we talked about in here. Uh, He is the light of the world. And I wanted to just give you some uh, quotes. These all come out of John where Jesus says, uh, these are the great I am statements by Jesus Christ in the book of John. And you'll recall uh, the first time that was probably used in the Bible was when Moses was called to go down and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so he's bickering with God, and he says, well, I don't think I can do it. I'm slow of speech. And God says, well, who made your tongue? He said, well, you did. He said, I'm still not a good speaker. And he said, well, okay, I'll send Aaron with you, and you go down. He said, well, when I get down there, who am I going to tell them sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And I remember years ago hearing Billy Graham preach a message on I am. And he said, it's the eternal present form of God. The God that never changes. The God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the book of John, Jesus gives a number of sayings where he says, I am. Uh, These are all in John. You can look them up for your homework. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. 
I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So I put a passage in here. This came out of um, Matthew chapter chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Of all of those things, you are not the door. You're not the good shepherd. You're not the resurrection and the life. You're not the way, the truth, and the life. You're not the true vine, and neither am I. But it's interesting, after he finished all of these things at the end of his earthly ministry, he made this comment that comes out of uh, Matthew 5, this is uh, verse 14 through 15. I think of a a race in the Olympics where these guys are running around the top track, and uh, it's a relay race, and they pass the baton, and it's done in a specific manner. It's, It's perfectly done, and so if they pass the baton, they might win the race. And he makes this comment in uh, Matthew 5:14. Out of all of these things that we're not, we're not the bread of life, we're not the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine, we can point people to that resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life from this verse right here. Matthew 5:14 through 17. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand so that it gives light to the whole house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I think of a little song that I learned when I was a kid. I probably sang this song the first time at Massanetta Springs, growing up in the Presbyterian Church. It said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I thought to myself, you know, sometimes our light can become dim It can go out. Maybe we don't think we have the wherewithal to share Christ with somebody, so we put it under the basket so that people can't see it, and we think, well, I'll just be quiet in this particular case. And so I'm thinking that God wants our light to so shine before the world. Each one of us in this room has a sphere of influence. It might be a classmate in school. It might be a brother or a sister, a mother or father. It could be a grandparent with a child. It could be a work relationship. We all have a sphere of influence. And we need to impact the world for the cause of Jesus Christ through that sphere of influence. That's one of the reasons when uh, he died on the cross, we give our heart and life to him. Many times I've said, well, why don't you just take me home, Lord? And it's always, I have a mission for you. I have a mission for you. Right now it's at Grace Christian School. It's through my church. It's in my neighborhood. I don't know where it will be ten years from now if I'm still here. But I think as long as I have life and breath in this world, it will be to share the love of Jesus Christ. So you are the light of the world. I was thinking about our mission statement. It's on the front of your bulletin if you want to reach there and read it. But basically in closing, let me just share with you uh, what I think it was David Birch that came up with this. A number of years ago, and I'll often quiz my Sunday school class on this, I'll say, tell me the mission of the church. And it's basically that we are called to reach people where they are. We're called to relate them to Jesus Christ. And sometimes that can be, uh, it might be on an airplane where you're traveling to the West Coast, you have just a few minutes to share. Personally, I believe in the relationships that I built over life, they come over uh, years. I'll build relationships with people, let them know who I am, show acts of kindness. And then uh, there's also the confrontational evangelism where you actually say, Tell me about your spiritual pilgrimage, and we have a chance to share our love of Jesus Christ. So we reach them where they are, relate them to Jesus Christ, equip them 
to serve. And that's what my parents did from the time I was a very early little child. They were trying to teach me in Sunday school and church. They tried to teach me the same things. As I said, it really didn't take until I was, it was years later, but it did finally take, and I would never want to go back. And then to go forth with a holy boldness. So that's basically it for today. As we think about God's choice, he loved us. He gave himself on the cross of Calvary for us. He knew that we would need it. It's the only way back. And then our choice is to commit to him and serve him. We're going to close with a great old hymn um, that I love. And basically, if you have a need in your life, pastors mentioned this before, the altar is always open. If your light has gone out, maybe become extinguished, you're not as strong in your faith as you think you should be, all you have to do is just tell people about Jesus Christ. If you want to come and recommit your life, Uh, to Jesus or just make some things right with him. The altar is open during this hymn. Feel free to do that. There's an interesting little thing on the bulletin insert. It's uh, a Lenten Bible study that will be coming up in the spring after March 10th. It's called Finding I Am. Just remember that as we find I Am, that he said he was the light of the world. He also says you're the light of the world. So let's pray and go in his peace and grace today. Father, we love you and just thank you so much for the opportunity to be out in corporate worship today. I pray that you bless in the fellowship hour and the Sunday school classes uh, to follow and in the second worship service, Lord. May you have given us something today that would conform us more fully to the image of Christ and help us to be better ambassadors of your grace in the week to come. We ask these things in the holy and precious and powerful and tender name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.